Hey listeners, Fiona here, and this episode is really important to us. Today we are discussing Dasha's diagnosis and treatment of endometriosis, and it is not intended to give any medical advice. Everybody's journey with this condition can be different. If you suspect you may have endometriosis, go see your GP and check out the website endometriosisaustralia.org. Welcome to the XYZ Experiment podcast. Did you know that March is Endometriosis Awareness Month? And we're really keen to have a chat about this because Dash actually suffers from the condition. So Dash, tell us what's going on. Well, where to start? I'll start from the very beginning. (laughs) Start from the beginning. (laughs) So yes, I uh, was diagnosed with endometriosis. But I think before we get to the diagnosis story, I think it's important to put in context the stories that women tell about our reproduction systems and being a woman and womanhood and all of those types of things. So to put it in context, when I was about nine, um, I was developing. So it was clear that I was um, going to get my period soon and in my family, that wasn't unusual to get periods quite young. Oh. And so, yeah, I know. Lucky us. That's young. <clears throat> That's, yeah, so I didn't get it at nine. I got it at ten. But we started Soon. having the conversation at okay. nine. Okay. And I just remember having conversations about, okay, you're going to get a period. I got a little book from my mum about, you know, what periods are and menstruation and the female reproductive um, system and why you do get periods and, you know, links to babies and all of that kind of stuff. And it talked very factually about all of those kind of things. And I just remember being so scared after that, that I just randomly start bleeding from down there, which is what happens. But, you know, when you're nine, that's just a horror story. Yeah. So I get my period at 10. And for the first couple of months, it was intense, like intense pain. I was getting my period every two weeks. And I was bleeding a lot. Um, wow. Yeah. But we are told as women that this is normal. Like having period pain is normal. And bleeding a lot is normal. And having this thing that happens, I mean, it did settle down and it did become once a month, is just a, f- a matter of fact of life, right? So nowhere in my mind did I think anything was unusual. I just remember being very angry that women had to have this and boys did not. Yeah. No, I get it. I completely get it. It just seemed like so unfair that we had to deal with this. And so all throughout, um, you know, primary school, high school, I would get quite bad period pain and I would have to take... Uh, Nurofen, and it was like I'd get really bad um, back pain from it. Um, I would always have a very heavy monthly flow, and um, you know, we'd you'd learn hacks like, and I know it's probably too much information, but you'd learn hacks that you'd wear a tampon and a pad. Yeah. To um, particularly if you were going, everybody's done. Yeah. That, yeah. If particularly if you were going to not be able to have access to a bathroom um, or to be able to change. Um, and yeah, I just remember how full on it was just to manage all of that and to manage the pain. Um, but it was normal. And so I continued doing everything. Like I never missed a day of school, mm-hmm. although I very much remember a time when I was <laughs> doing a maths test 
and it was that time of the month and I was so fatigued and I just put my head on the desk and I was just like, I literally cannot think straight. Yeah. Literally cannot. Is that through the pain of it as well? The pain and just the brain fog of like, just feeling like I had no energy. But again, thought it was normal. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward, still getting bad period. I eventually went on the pill. So I didn't start going on the pill until I was 18. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and, and was that for this problem? To try no, it was my... actually for my skin. Okay, okay. So totally yeah. random. Yeah. And we delayed going on the pill because for some reason, I mean, culturally and I think religiously, yeah. my family were nervous about be- me being on birth control. And yeah. I don't know, did they think I was going to then suddenly all go and have sex because I was suddenly on the pill? I don't know. Anyway. Um, so I went on the pill, but I never skipped the sugar pill. So I always would still bleed Mm -hmm. and it would still be bad, Mm -hmm. but probably not as bad as when I wasn't on the pill. Then, you know, get married, go through my twenties, go start, I'm in my thirties and suddenly I'm starting to get pain even when I don't have my period. Really? Yeah. Describe the pain. What's the pain? The pain is, so a general during a, a, a period, it would be an incredible ache. Mm-hmm. And um, like particularly my lower back pain was just this constant lower back pain that was excruciating. And everyone will have different symptoms yep. of endo, I will yep. say that. Um, but for me, I had really bad lower back pain and then I'd have really bad cramping for the first maybe two or three days mm-hmm. of my period. Mm-hmm. And... I, I haven't had children, mm-hmm. but I feel like it was like giving birth. Like mm-hmm. the, I, I felt like I was contracting. Yeah. I felt like my tummy was doing all sorts of horrendous things. I think the other thing was that, and again, too much information, but I want to give people as much information as they can. During that time of the month, you would bloat heaps. Yep. You would be gassy quite a bit. And that's also very uncomfortable, yep. the gassiness that comes with all of that. And um, you would be, or I would be, and others, rushing to the toilet. And there is the um, well-known phenomenon of an endo poo. Yeah. And they're horrific. <laughs> blood everywhere. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's like yeah. seriously blood everywhere. Yeah. Um, and so then I was starting to get pain in my ovary region yeah. and it, it started to be more sharp than the achy pain. And it was like, not that time of the month. So I was yeah. like, what the heck is what this? What is going on? Yeah. And it wasn't responsive to Nurofen or Panadol. How old were you? So that happening? probably started in my early thirties. Okay. But again, it was like, oh probably a bit normal and I didn't really get it investigated until one night I was like crippled over on the couch like gasping because I was in so much pain and Scott came home and I told him I was in a lot of pain I said can you get Nurofen on the way home and so he had picked up Nurofen and then he was like this isn't normal yeah this is beyond (laughs) this this. is beyond this yeah and so then I went and saw a GP to get um checked at that point, endometriosis was not on my radar. I'd never even Googled my symptoms. So I actually didn't even know why I was going to the GP. Like, I was just like, I have pain and I don't know what to do about it. So bringing a gener- generational lens to it, yeah. 
millennials don't really still talk. I mean, Gen X never talked about it. Yeah. Like, it's not even, it wasn't even in my wheelhouse until only a couple of years ago. It's not something you guys talked about with friends or anything like well, that. Well, we or? talked about how painful our periods were. But there wasn't a word for it. It yeah. wasn't. But we never said, that's not normal. Yeah. Like, and I know you're meant to get some level of pain with a period. Like, yeah. your body is expelling yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, yes, that's going to be painful. But at what point does it become pain that's not normal? Yeah. And I don't think anyone has spoken about that. So, yeah. you know, in my mind, if I had known... You shouldn't be crippled over with pain. Yeah. It shouldn't be pain that's not responsive to um, pain general painkillers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all of those things are signs. Like, and then, you know, the excruciating back pain and all the fatigue and the heaviness of your flow, like all of that together yeah. should get checked. Yeah. And there's no harm in getting it checked. You would think that, you know, perhaps when you're having your pap smear done, they might ask that question about... Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, because you're meant to be getting that done every few years. I just wonder I, if that question comes up now. I was never asked that question, how are your periods, ever, in any of my smears. But to be honest, like, I don't even know how I would have answered that. Yeah. Because I still thought that was what a normal period was. But maybe if you'd said, oh, I get a lot of pain and blah, blah, yeah. blah, and they're going, hey, that's not... But I mean, yeah. What's normal? What's normal? Yeah. And I think that's the biggest challenge is that the stories women are told is that the pain we experience is normal. Yeah. And the symptoms we're experiencing are normal. Yeah. And it's just what we have to live with because that's part of being a woman. Yeah. And I do find it incredibly fascinating that um, this year the Victorian government are doing like an inquiry into women's pain and setting up a whole women's pain kind of oh, thing. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I'm like, thank God someone's okay. going to suddenly be like, actually, let's talk about this. <laughs> let's, have a look at this. <laughs> let's have a look at this. It's 2024. Let's have a look at women's pain. So you went to the doctor mm. because the pain was beyond. Yeah. What happened then? So thank goodness my doctor, who had been seeing for a while, um, and she was um, connected to our university mm -hmm. um, health system. And so um, she was like, I'm sending you straight for a pelvic ultrasound. Okay. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> I didn't know what a pelvic ultrasound was. <laughs> I do because of the IBF. <laughs> yes. So I was like, okay. And so I read the instructions. I think they said to drink water beforehand. Yeah, so you had a full bladder. You had yeah. a full bladder, so I drank a lot of water beforehand. But in my mind, and again, no one prepares <laughs> on you outside. for this, I thought it was going to be on the outside. <laughs> no. Get on the table, a wand is stuck up inside you. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> was not expecting that. I hadn't prepared myself mentally <laughs> for this. I had not prepared myself mentally for this. And the whole time I was so worried I was going to pee on her. <laughs> so, listeners. <laughs> I'm so glad you said it because that's, that's the truth. It's the truth. Because you're so, your bladder is so full and they're yeah. poking it. <laughs> oh, my God. And so, but, you know, she was lovely, the technician lady who did it and she knew like I was yeah. squirmy I was like oh my god and so as soon as she'd finished she's like you can go to the toilet like run <laughs> and I just ran <laughs> bolted out of there so then um it was only a few weeks later 
that the GP rings me and was like, you have endometriosis. And I'm like, what? Did you know what it was at that stage? What endo actually was? I knew kind of theoretically. Yeah. Because we'd studied it. Okay. Yeah. Again. Yeah. But I didn't really, really know what it was. Yeah. Or how common it is. So how common is it? So the estimation at the moment is that 14% of Australian uh, girls, women, people assigned female at birth um, are living with endometriosis. But to my point, I think that's a massive underdiagnosis because people don't know what to look for and people wouldn't necessarily have endometriosis on their radar. And so I think the more we can talk about it, hence why we're talking about it now, and why Endometriosis Awareness Month is so important, having people potentially get checked if they are having those symptoms is really important because yeah. I, d- I do think 14% is an under-diagnosis number. That's not a huge number, though. It's a big number. It's a big number. It is a big number. It's a big number. Yeah. Um, what happens next then? Oh, yeah, so then that's the funny part. Um, you get the diagnosis. Does everyone didn't go... Okay, you've got it. Like, what what happens next? So I see the GP again. She says, you've got endometriosis. I'm like, okay. And it was a pretty quick appointment, actually, because it wasn't my normal GP. And she basically just followed and said, I'm going to give you a referral to this guy who's an um, obstetrician-gynecologist person. And um, so off I go to see this um, surgeon and saw him privately mm-hmm. Which is such an interesting thing because a lot of women, just to backtrack, mm. it takes between six to seven years to get a diagnosis of endo. So a lot of people will be, that's what the research indicates, having the symptoms and seeking a diagnosis and they keep getting misdiagnosed. So mm. people will be telling them, no, that's normal or you might be anxious or, you know, whatever explanation that they might be coming up with. And like people present to emergency departments, people present to general practice and uh, sometimes have their symptoms dismissed. So the average is six to seven years. I was lucky in the sense from the point of seeking help to then getting diagnosed, it was only three weeks. Mm -hmm. But it had, I'd been living with those symptoms and hadn't realized for a very long time. So then I felt like it was a whirlwind because suddenly something that wasn't on my radar felt like it was taking over my life. So I go see this surgeon guy. He's like, oh, yeah, we we need to do um, surgery to looking at your scans. And the, that's the other thing to know about the pelvic ultrasound. It isn't the most sensitive tool to detect endometriosis. So some people can have a um, scan done and it won't show anything, but that doesn't necessarily mean they won't find anything when they go in to do a laparoscopy. Yeah. And so he's like, you've definitely got endo. We're going to need to do a laparoscopy. (laughs) Naive me. And I'm like fairly health literate. Mm. He was like, it's like keyhole surgery. He was so like blasé about it. I was like, okay, it's just keyhole surgery. They're going to go through my belly button. It's going to be over and done. He rang me that night Mm. and said, I can book you in next week if you want. And I was like, okay. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's do it. It's just yeah. keyhole surgery. Yeah. So I get ready to have this surgery. Go. It's only meant to be a day procedure. It was a day procedure. 
Um, and they said, oh, it's going to take an hour. Mm-hmm. Like, you're going to be under for an hour and then um, your husband can come pick you up at this time. So yep. Scott had taken the day off work or was working from home so he could come pick me up. The surgery took three hours because while the scan showed endo, it hadn't shown the extent of endo. Uh. So it was only when they did the laparoscopy that they realised I had stage four endo and it took them three hours to remove it all. So it's just inside the womb, outside the womb? It was like outside, it was sticking to organs. Yeah. It was all over. Um, Yeah, it was pretty bad. Because this is the thing... um, I should tell people I don't suffer from it. Well, I never did in any way. And so I did some research because I knew we were talking about this tonight. I, I, this is my ignorance. I just thought it was inside the womb. I never realised this meant the womb tissue was growing outside of the mm-hmm. womb and on other organs. Yeah. And, on, and it adheres yeah, to things. because it still sheds, but yeah. it's got nowhere to go. That yeah. just blows my mind, like... It's a whole nother level. So you had that level. Mm, I had really bad level of it. And, you know, um, this might be a weird uh, descriptor, but when I was watching Stranger Things, I don't know if people have seen it, and the stickiness of the upside down creature, and it's that's what endo is like. like. That's how I visualise it. It's like just sticking and crawling all over your insides and kind of taking over. And so it's extraordinarily painful. And so, yeah, I had three hours of surgery, which I didn't expect to have. Mm. I, my early memory, and I think I was still fairly under because some of this memory is impacted also by what Scott tells me. I'm in the recovery suite and I have two nurses and they're trying to explain to Scott Mm. um, what has happened. And I thought I was going back to work the next day. (laughs) And so did God, it's now eight o'clock at night because the surgery has gone so long. I'm still... You've made no plans to have time <laughs> no, off. No, no plans to have time off because they had basically made it sound like such a simple, straightforward <laughs> procedure. And it wasn't. And it wasn't. And so I thought I was going back to work. Scott was going to go back to work. Um, and he came in and he said, you looked like death. Yeah. And... Um, the nurses were trying to explain stuff and they their hands must have been hovering over my belly region and like unconsciously my hands raised to protect it. I was still out of it and they were like, oh, she's like doing this protective kind of yeah. gesture. And so they were like, oh, she needs more pain meds. Right. Don't touch me. Don't yeah. touch me. And so then, and I'm not naming the guy. I mean, he was a very good surgeon. He did a very good job, but I don't think his bedside manner was the best because he then came to see me afterwards. And I think it was almost like, wow, you had stage four and we weren't expecting (laughs) it. This was really exciting for them. And he'd taken all these photos, right? Like they take all these photos of what was removed and what it looked like. (laughs) So I've just come through, come to, I'm incredibly nauseous and out of it he's sitting by my bedside showing me the photos oh great and I just puke everywhere I'm just like and Scott's like I don't know if she's up for this actually he's like I'll put it in a folder so you can take it home and so uh yeah I was not prepared for it and I remember getting home I could hardly walk um 
And well, you've been scraped uh, out. Yeah, totally literally. scraped out. I was in so much pain. Yeah. I was in so much pain. and Because they would have broken up the adhesions and everything mm-hmm. as well. That's a lot. Yeah, I, could, I, was, I was not functional. And I was lying in bed just groaning the whole night. And they'd given us some really good pain medication, mm. but we didn't know how to take it. Like mm. one of the things that we learned after talking to the doctor, take it on schedule so the pain doesn't Correct. break through, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't think for the first 24, 48 hours I was really doing that. Yeah. The other thing that they hadn't told me or I wasn't, maybe they told me, I don't know, it could have been in an information sheet somewhere. Yeah. But when you go under general anaesthetic, you get extraordinary shoulder pain. Mm-hmm. Had no idea to expect that. Yeah. Thought something was extraordinarily wrong because yeah. it's that was more excruciating than the pain in my belly wow. uterus region. But the shoulder pain is from the trapped gas. Is that yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And I was, oh, my God, it was so awful. Because you were under for so long and that. Too. Yeah. And I think they must have, because they didn't anticipate it, they would have had to keep topping it up. Correct. Throughout that surgery. And, um, you know, and so they'd gone through my belly button and two other incision sites. Yeah. And then they taped over my belly button, but my I could tell my belly button was full of blood. Yeah. And you're not meant to shower for a little while afterwards. And I was just like, is it meant to be full of blood? Like, what's mm. happening here? Mm. And so, oh, my gosh, it was so, I know I'm saying so a lot, but it. I just can't get over how unprepared I was for it. What happens next after that? Like, can it come back or what Well, it can come back. So that was then the scary thing because I hadn't also realised that. But then as soon as I had the surgery, I was like, that's it. I'm going on social media. And I joined Endometriosis Australia, like, um, Facebook patient support page. And then I'm reading stories of women who have had, like, a surgery every couple of years. And I was just like, I can't do this every couple of years. Oh, my God, hats off to them. And Mm. the fact that they're trying to get this pain under control because it wasn't responsive. But that's why, like, I think my surgeon did a great job because he did get, he did remove everything. He got rid of it. I went back to get the stitches out. He told me, yes, stay on the pill. That's a good way of controlling it. Uh, Now actually being on an IUD is the um, preferred way of controlling endo. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But on the pill, skip your periods as much as possible. Is that Um, so you're not shedding? mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so you don't want to bleed. Okay. I mean, you do end up breaking through and bleeding occasionally. But I was told um, by my doctor, and again, I don't know if this is still the protocol, but to skip them. Yeah. And... He took my stitches out, healed fine. Then he was like, you know, you need to come back and see me every six months. Because I have so many health conditions, (laughs) I think I saw him again once more and then I was like, stuff this. Like, I can't be bothered. Mm. Because the symptoms didn't come back. So I wasn't experiencing pain. I was like, oh, my God, this is what normal. Feels like, oh, I should say the other thing, the other big symptom is pain during sex. Okay. Really? Yeah. Wow, okay. Um, so that's another big symptom, which is not often on people's radar. So again, it's sex is not meant to be painful. Yeah, yeah. And people don't talk about that enough. Yeah. And so, yes, um, I had this really amazing, and still am, having this really amazing pain-free life. 
for that condition. Yeah. <laughs> I have pain for other conditions, but for that condition. But uh, during COVID, it did start to come back. Like I could start to feel the symptoms starting to come back. So that would have been, I am now 10 years post mm -hmm. that initial surgery. Yeah. Um, almost to the day, I think, actually. Okay. And so, yeah, 10 years post that initial surgery and it's not uncommon to then potentially need another look. So I yeah. did go back and saw my GP who referred me to get another pelvic ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And um, that kind of basically came back clear. But again, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not there. And um, the doctor did kind of press down on me, like did a physical exam. And he was like, yeah, I do. you do have some... Um, beginning signs of endo like I can tell like those spots are sticky he said okay because he presses while he's got yes the ultrasound yeah. happening he's like yeah, yeah that's sticky okay. so there's obviously some adhesions happening but I really can't be bothered having another surgery at this point um do you think it's being talked about more now because I don't know if it is I don't know if it is and I know that because there's endometriosis and then I don't know how to say it, adomyosis, which know. is even like, it's like the evil sister of endometriosis. So it's mm -hmm. even worse. Um, and there's so much we need to do to educate the public about this. Um, Especially if it's 14% at a minimum. At a minimum, yeah. So I don't, I still don't think it's being talked about I know as millennials, we're not talking about it necessarily. Um, where it does start, I think, to enter the conversation is when people are having trouble with fertility. Yes. That's definitely where I start to hear it. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. That's when it starts to get... Because people get checked to see why yeah. and then they find it. Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely where I hear about it. But as someone who chose to be child-free... Yeah. We that never, wasn't going to happen It for wasn't going to happen. I yeah. wasn't going to be trying and then being like, why can't I get pregnant? Yeah. So, and, but also I sit back and think, God, as a 20-year-old, I didn't need to live in pain. Because I'd never had pain and I went through IVF, I got checked for endometriosis. And, yeah. And, of course, I didn't have it. But I think it's just because, like, I used to have pain with my periods, but it's just be... I knew the period was coming on, but then it would stop immediately. So how long you would know? your pain last for? An hour or two. Oh, my God. And then I'd go, oh, yeah, my period's coming. Sore boobs, bit of pain. I know the pain you're talking about, but then it's gone and the rest of the period's fine. Like, And how long would your period last for? Five days. Wow. Yeah, five days at the most. Because sometimes I'd go for like 14 days. I've never had anything like that ever. Yeah. Um... So, like, if people talk, like, if you'd said to me, I get pain with my period, I would have said to you, oh, me too. Yeah. But I don't. Like, yeah. not, not to what. So you would have then gone, oh, yeah, okay, that's normal. But that's I, I wouldn't have understood. I wouldn't have understood. No, you're talking about pain that's crippling you on the couch or. And it's not abnormal for people to want to take time off work, but feeling like they can't. Because can you imagine having that every conversation? Month. Every month I'm going to need a few days off. Yeah. Because I can't. I like can't the, function. I can't function. This is a disabling condition. It's terrible. It's just it, terrible. And so I, in the scheme of things, like I've had stage four endo, but I know people have those symptoms way worse than I did. Yeah. And that it is incredibly disabling and that they're lying there with hot water bottles yeah. and 
they're doing everything that they can to get their pain under control and their pain isn't being taken seriously by anyone because there's so much of this discourse in society just suck it up like what's wrong with you this is just is this what they used to call hysteria in women Years and years and years ago? Is that what that is? Um, they used to call a lot of things hysteria. Okay. So there was a, quite a few different things that fell into the hysteria. Anything that was a woman's problem, they'd call hysteria. Oh, okay. Okay. Because it's not just taken seriously then. It's just a mental health condition. Yeah. And the other thing which I feel we had conversations as we were in our 20s was PMS. So... Yeah. And people talking about the different levels that they had that. And um, the emotional toll of, I guess, living with PMS. And I think PMS and endo can be quite closely related. So, again, you're struggling physically and mentally. So, knowing what you know today, what advice would you give to people who they think might be having symptoms of it? Well, one thing, now you know what it's called. Mm -hmm. So, you can Google it. You can go to Endometriosis Australia. They have a symptom checker. Oh, okay. Yep. yep. And so there's some really great information on their webpage. Um, and then I would say go to your GP and have the conversation. And even if you're not 100% sure, be honest with your GP and say, this is what I'm experiencing. I'm not 100% sure. I would like to get further investigation. It's really I mean, I, I know I talked about the pelvic ultrasound being horrific and uncomfortable, but really in the scheme of things, it doesn't hurt and you will get answers. Yeah. Um, and uh, the technology is getting better and better mm-hmm. in terms of being able to detect endometriosis. So look up Endometriosis Australia, go talk to your GP because no one needs to be crippled in pain every month. Oh, thanks so much for sharing that story. I think it's a really important one. Yeah. And so Endometriosis Awareness Month, I hope we have raised some awareness. Thanks for taking the time to listen to the XYZ Experiment podcast. If this episode triggers anything for you or you have any questions about endometriosis, have a chat to your GP who will have all the correct information and check out the website endometriosisaustralia.org. It is such a pleasure to do this podcast and if you enjoy the show, please tell all your friends and family and do us a favour, click that follow button and give us a like if you enjoyed this episode.